change around my team, yeah, we off the leash. You could look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we drop, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to Podski Wee Wee. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Mike, I think recently I said at the top of one of our previous shows, and it might have actually been last week, that I kind of like to start the show with something a little lighter. Like, don't, like, I think last week, yeah, it was last week, because we started talking about the CBA, and it's like, I like to start with, like, less less intense topics. I think I was wrong. I think I should have said that it's it's not necessarily light, but maybe silly is more what I was looking for. I don't know, because you and I, we talked before the show and we both realized that we have something we wanted to get off our chest. Two different things. But I figured, let's do that right off the hop. So why don't you tell everyone what's kind of grinding your gears this week, buddy? Well, I got a couple bozos. And not specific bozos, but just, you know, I, I thought there was a couple overreactions to news or uh, things that happened in the CFL this past week. First of all, the no, overreaction. Over, overreactions to CFL topics? Get out of here. I know. I know crazy, right? It's just crazy. But... The first one is overreaction to a preseason uh, Riders game and the attendance at that I Riders that. game. I now, I'm not going to name specific people. There was there was there was a couple of them, but it's a it's a preseason game on a Tuesday night that I believe was rescheduled. I just think people are freaking out over nothing. Like pre NFL preseason games don't get big attendance. Like. Let's just calm down. Everything's going to be okay. And once we move into the regular season, like I'm not saying there's going to be sellouts at every stadium, but uh, I'm pretty sure the Riders will have some pretty good crowds. So I think that people were just way overreacting to that. And then I thought also that when the CFO released the let them know slogan <laughs> for this season, you know, people, I saw things like, oh, this is an embarrassment to the league. And, oh, this is a travesty and all this shit. It's like, guys. The trademark ended today. Okay, when you put that into Twitter now with a hashtag, the Cleveland Cavaliers logo does not come up. Maybe they knew it, maybe they didn't know it, but the point is, today's June 2nd. Okay, the season starts June 13th or June 9th or whatever it is. We at least have a week to go. Okay, so everyone that was freaking out over this needs to calm down a bit. Okay, because we're a week away from the season and the Cleveland Cavaliers logo is gone from the hashtag. I feel like you're personally attacking me on that last one. Because I, I didn't, I, I didn't see uh, you. Did I, you, did I, you? I, I noticed that I, I saw the tweet from the riders. Now apparently the league had put out a bunch with the hashtag and the cats logo kept showing up, and they just kept deleting them. I didn't see that, but I saw the riders. Hey, don't get me there. wrong; it makes the league look stupid. But like, weird. This is it's very. It, it's it makes you know it's a very CFL thing to happen. And but I just thought that people jumped on them. Yes. Like it's gone now. It's gone. Yeah. You can tweet it without the Cavaliers logo. The season hasn't started yet. I, I do think the only the only I, okay. It's not a big it's not a big deal at all. The, the, the attendance thing too, like that's that's on the list of things to. I mean, I guess you have to talk about something from a preseason game, but the attendance at a Tuesday night game of all things, like you're right, it was rescheduled from a holiday Monday, which likely would have had a bigger attendance because I think it would have been. In, I don't think it was a night game, but I I could be wrong. Maybe it was. It's preseason games. I don't really care when they air. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't even watch. Like, like it was a Tuesday, and I was watching the Forge game because I was like, "Do I watch Riders Bombers preseason, or do I watch the soccer team that I actually like?" Like it, to me, it was no. I didn't even watch the game. And so then I saw the, you know, brouhaha about attendance, and I saw the pictures, and I was like, "Yeah, there's not a lot of people there." But I mean, it's a Tuesday night in May. It's not. It, it's not like it's a regular season game, like you said. Like mm-hmm. that, that was much ado about nothing. The, the, the hashtag thing, I just saw the tweet, and I took a screenshot, and I sent it to the Three Down group chat, and I was like, well, this is kind of funny. Like, I, I thought I thought it was – I just thought 
because you're right. It's, it is kind of typical CFL where like, oh, we have this big idea mm-hmm. and it's already taken. Yeah. And, and my thing, it's not even that it's already taken, but you talked to the, like the league has talked about like partnering up with these marketing firms and all those sorts of stuff. And it's like, isn't this something that like these people should be, like should know. And if that's the case, then roll back, wait until today to release the ad camp. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's not also not the end of the world. I think people did make too big of a deal out of it. I literally just thought this is kind of funny. It's like, well, me, I thought it was funny too. I thought it was funny too, but I just saw like embarrassing and trash. Yeah, yeah, that's taking it too. It's, it's like, remember, Jeez. I mean, Hamilton proud, the Hamilton, the, the backwards Hamilton proud thing right. that we have made almost a staple of our show for how many years now that was because they unfurled the flag backwards at a tie cats game. And me and my friends are on the, like seeing where the flags unfurled, and kind of chuckled and laughed and it kind of took on a life of its own. Like you see people doing the hashtag with the name backwards and, and it's like, whatever, like, it's not the biggest deal in the world. It's just one of those things. It's like, it's memeable, right? Like this happens. We it's, it's, it's internet culture. Is it not like something mm-hmm. happens, we make fun of it. And then two days later, something else happens and we completely forget about the other thing we we're making fun of. So, I mean, it it lasted maybe an, an evening of us kind of mocking it, but then no one really cares. And yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, maybe people did did go overboard. Embarrassing. It's, eh. it's, it's if it's embarrassing, it's like it's like it's it's as embarrassing as like, you know, your pants fell down and you and your group of people like. Right. Is it, is, do you want it to happen? Of course not. Is it like the be all end? Like it's not like they pooped their pants in front of everybody. It's like, ah, you know what? My, my pants fell down because my belt broke. Nah, big deal. We'll move on to the next thing. Yeah, exactly. It's not. Uh, yeah, it, uh, it's a little, uh, little buffoonery. But uh, right, that's Which that's all I have to say fun. about those. I, I like when things don't go as planned. That's fun. That's like at least we were talking about something silly like that, not the goddamn CBA anymore. Like, right. Give, yeah. Give, give me effed up hashtags every day of the week versus talking about labor disputes and. And all that sort right. of junk. You can call a lot of things embarrassing and, and, you know, other words about the CFL. But, you know, I just felt like that wasn't one of them. It was just <laughs> a little bit of a, yeah. Now, well, what do you yeah. got now? What do you got? Okay. So I guess in a way I'm also calling it a bozo. So do you watch the Ticats media? Like they, they post daily videos on their website, mm-hmm. usually interviews with coaches or players. And obviously they did one after the game with Orlando Steinauer. And there's this one reporter, whomever it is, I don't, I honestly don't know who it is, or else I would call them out by name, who I've heard in, it was the post-game video from the game on Saturday, and who I've heard in other videos continuously call Orlando Steinhauer, Orlando Steinhauer. The dude has spent, and I, I looked this up, he spent 24 of the last 26 years of his life in the CFL as either a player or a coach. Can we not... Can this guy not get his bloody name right? Like, I don't think it, it it only makes this guy, whoever he is, look like an idiot. But I also think it's really disrespectful. Like, if, if you came on this show and started calling me Joseph, it's like, that's not my name. If I start calling you Mikay, like, that's not your name. Like, it's the man's name. Like, like show some respect because it's no one wants to be called by the wrong name. And, and like I said, he spent almost a quarter century of his life, not only in the CFL, but in this golden horseshoe area he spent most of his career with the tie cats and argos not only as a player but as a coach he was an argos coach for he was a tie cats coach he was a tie cats player for he was an argo player he spent almost his entire time i think for except for one i think his first year was with ottawa and every other year has either been with the tie cats and the argos so chances are the newspaper guy that's covering this team has been covering the cfl forever or radio guy or tv guy whomever it is like can we not just get the man's name right like is that too much to ask yeah, the only explanation I could have is that he's a newcomer, you know, trying to get his foot into sports media. It sounded familiar, and I know that there's another – I don't know who it was, but I've heard other – another media guy keep referring to him as Orlando. And okay. it's not like he spells his name like – it's not like he spells no, it like Orlando and says, no, it's Orlando. He literally spells it. There's yeah. no A's in his name. No. No. So, if you're covering the team – you should probably get the head coach's name right. You know what I mean? So I can understand your uh, frustration with that. Although speaking of names, did you know that we've been pronouncing Zach Kolaris wrong the entire time? I saw someone ask about his name in a tweet, and he sent out that it's, they were like, is it Kaleros or Kaler? And he was like, Cal, like C-A-L-A-R, I can't remember how he, C-A-R, 
Oh, damn it, I can't remember. But it's, but it's is. But it's not. It's is. It's not os. It's Calaris yeah, or Calaris, not Calaris. Now we're the dumbasses, you know. We've been saying it wrong but for. Everyone's been saying, been it, saying wrong it right, though. Right? Who's been saying it right? <laughs> yeah, like did no, like again, just correct us. Tell us yeah. how to say it correctly, and we'll say it correctly. Because now you spent a decade calling this guy Caleros. It's going to be really hard to switch that up. Yeah, very hard. I can't believe that he wouldn't have said something. Uh, you know, he's been in the league now for a pretty long time. So, um, you know, I, I when you watch TSN um, call the game, it's been Caleros. You know, yep. so that's interesting. That's an interesting one. Makes me wonder what other names you've been screwing up all these years. All right, there's probably quite a few. Oh, most definitely. Uh, okay, lastly, before we move on to some actual news, I've got to do something that burns me to my core, Mike. I have to heap praise upon the Ottawa Red Blacks. I know, crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Did you see their Did you see their tweet on Wednesday that fans of theirs will be able to customize T-shirts with player names and numbers? I did. I did. This is awesome. I think this is fantastic. I love T-shirt jerseys. I have three of them myself. I have a George Kittle and Joe Montana, San Francisco 49er t-shirt jersey. And I have a Calvin Johnson Detroit Lions one because I play fantasy football and Calvin Johnson was one of my favorite players while he was in the league. And I keep refreshing the NFL uh, NFLshop.com page because I want to get a Nick Bosa one. I want to get a Trey Lance one. And if he stays, I want to get a Debo Samuel one. Like, But the problem is they all come in sizes that's one too small for me to wear. So I'm just waiting to see them get replenish their stock with sizes that will fit me. Do you think there's any chance that I would have bought all of these shirts or want to buy all these shirts if they were jerseys for 150 bucks each? Absolutely not. But mm. t-shirt jerseys. 150 bucks if you're lucky. 150. You're that's... Lucky. Exactly. Like they're close to CFL jerseys are two are over 200 dollars now. Name oh, yeah. like Preston Day. Yeah, if you want to get like the stitches, like the full, yeah. like it's close to three. Yeah, which to me is, I mean, that's a story. A friend of mine has been telling me for weeks now to hammer home about the price of CFL jerseys and just CFL merchandise in general is way too yep. expensive. Yeah, like I, the, the, I, I saw, I saw the, the tie catch just released. Oh, here's our new stuff. And I'm looking at it going, oh, a pair of shorts, $55. $55 for a pair of shorts simply because they have a tie cat local on them. Now, like, is it just the fact that we're getting old and it's like these are the prices now? Or is it just that CFL merch is stupidly expensive? No, it's gotten way more. And I know inflation rises with everything. But when I got really – when I moved back to Hamilton, it, when I was living in Toronto for all those years, I moved back to Hamilton in the summer of 2009. Me and my friends started going to all the games because, you know, you're older. You have more disposable income because we don't have families. It's like we're going to go to the Ticats games. That, it became our thing. And ever since then, it's been our thing. I have a, a like a tub full of jer- – like I was buying a jersey like once a month. I have two Arlen Bruce jerseys. Like Arlen Bruce wore number four when he first came to the Ticats. I bought it because I was like, Arlen Bruce is awesome. I ended up getting it signed. It's in a frame. It's nice. I, I have it on my wall. It's perfect. I then went because he changed his number the next year to number one, bought another one. <laughs> I have, I know I have a Kevin Glenn. I'm pretty sure I have a Stevie bag. I know I have an Otis Floyd. Like I must have spent, there's a Dave Stallow one in there. I think the Dave Stallow one is the old yellow third jersey. Oh, right. Yeah. I, I know I'm forgetting. I had a Jason guys. Moss, one of those. Yeah. Like, <laughs> those, I, I, when, I never liked those jerseys, but anyways, go, go on. I remember when Casey Printer signed. My mm. dad was like, we should all go down to the Roar store, because that's what it was called at the time, and we yep. should all go buy Casey Printer's jerseys. We did not, thankfully, but that, like, so buying jerseys when I was, like, like 15 years ago, 12 years ago, like, I was buying them left, right, and center. If those were T-shirts, I'd have even more. Like, those t like, the, the ones that I bought, because the, 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 I bought the Kittle one myself, and the other ones I wanted, like, the Montana one was a gift, so I didn't, and so was the Calvin Johnson one. But I think it cost me like maybe 50 bucks with the exchange rate. It was a no. As soon as I saw it was in the size for my, that I needed, I was like, oh, I'm getting this. This is my NFL Sunday shirt. I'm wearing this every week. My dad's got a Josh Allen. My brother got, I got, we bought my brother a Trevor Lawrence one for Christmas. We just, for my uncle's 60th birthday, bought him a Miami Dolphins one because he's a big Dolphins fan. Like these things were, it was like, oh, we're definitely getting these. This is, this is easy. If the Ticats started putting these things out at like 45 bucks, I would have damn near the whole team. Like over the last, 10 to 15 years, how many t-shirt jerseys do you think you would have bought? Like somewhere between like 10 and 15, maybe like we'd all have Simone. We'd all have Speedy of Caleros, Mazzoli and Dane. We'd have one or two of, of those guys. You and I would definitely have Dylan Wynn. I'd probably have Ted Laurent, maybe Jagarrett Davis, Tunde Delicate, Brown Madison, CJ Gable, Luke Tasker, Dave Stala. Maybe we'd have Henry Burris, Chris Williams. 
Go back a little further than that. Kevin Glenn, Arlen Bruce, Markeith Knowlton, Jamal Johnson, Otis Floyd. Like, I'm sure I'm forgetting some guys, but my point is, like, how many of these would you have bought? And then even if a guy leaves after a couple of years, you spend 50 bucks on the shirt, you might be like, oh, that sucks. But you wouldn't be as mad because, A, you'd probably have, like, 15 more of them to cycle through. But also because you'd be like, it's a T-shirt. Like, how many how many T-shirts do you – like, I probably have something in the neighborhood of 60 – So many T-shirts. So many. Oh. I have, yeah. I probably have, in total, all the shirts I own. Like, I mostly only own T-shirts. I probably have somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 to 65. Uh, and Do you dress the way the same way that you did when you were a teenager, basically? Because yeah. that, that's me, man. Like, uh, I just – T-shirt and jeans. That's it. I don't even wear jeans. Actually, I dress worse than I did as a teenager because I don't <laughs> even wear jeans anymore. I don't even own. I own one pair of jeans. And you're a big shorts guy, though. You're a big shorts guy. I like wearing shorts, and I like wearing track. I like being comfortable. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like I, 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 most of my friends that are that are that would get married are already married, so I don't have to go to any weddings. If someone invites me to a wedding, I just straight up say no because it's like, eh. I'm not that it. my brother has no plans of getting married. My cousins that are married are already married. Two of them didn't even have wedding ceremonies, thankfully, so I didn't have to go to anything there. The one that did, I bought a pair of black slacks and a golf shirt, and that because it was a summer wedding, it's like dress light because it's outdoors. That was like I have no, I don't own a suit. Like maybe this makes me a bad adult, but no. When you, I, I, my closet is filled with plain Nike dry fit shirts. I have some wrestling t-shirts, some sports t-shirts, some superhero t-shirts. And like four or five pairs of shorts, underwear and stuff. Like I dress, yeah. with the exception of like, like I probably didn't wear as much superhero stuff as I did like wrestling stuff when I was in high school. But I've essentially kept the same. I kept the same haircut. The only difference, if you looked at me now, like if I took a picture of myself now and compared it to a picture of me from say when I was 18, the only difference would be the facial hair and maybe what the crest on the T-shirt is. Because like right now, oh, right now I'm wearing a plain shirt. But you know, I, I have some of our podcast merch. Like I, I obviously wouldn't have been wearing that. 25 years ago but yeah i basically i basically wear the exact same exact same stuff i wore yeah. when i was 16. now the customization of the t-shirts uh is that a new thing because i was under the impression that you know teams that sold uh jersey t-shirts ha- already came you know you'd have like a selection like three or four guys basically so the way the nfl one works is there's a way like they have ones where you can take a shirt and it, you can customize it yourself now, here's my one criticism of what the Red Blacks are doing, and, the, and this is it's a small one. But did you see the picture? The font of the jersey, the name and number, aren't the same as you, you get on the actual jersey. And I think if you're going to do this, I think the T-shirt jersey font – and this is where the Ticats do it, it would be easy because their font is very plain. Like it's your traditional you know, block letters and block number. Like it's not – there's nothing – the Ottawa's a little bit more fancier. They got like the notch in the numbers and like – the italicized name and stuff like that. So it's a little bit different. So maybe that's a little harder to do. Ticats do this no problem. If you look at the, the what the Red Blacks put out, those numbers in yellow are Ticats numbers and name bar. Like it looks the exact same. So I will be very disappointed if the Ticats don't do this at some point this season or next season. But that's the only thing that, that kind of bothered me about this was the font because I think it makes it look like a knockoff almost, like something you'd find at like a corner store. Right. Other than that, I think I like I think this is awesome because I love T-shirt jerseys. So yeah, I do know that in the states you can customize them, and obviously what Ottawa is doing is is customizable. I don't know if they're going to silk screen them or what they're going to do, but I mean this is to me this is a home run idea. And if all nine teams don't do this in some form or fashion by the end of the year, they're wait they're losing money. Like yeah, I think these things would print money. Yeah, I think uh, the Red Blacks have been doing pretty well. I know that you weren't a huge fan of the you know, the CFL merch, but uh, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that they sold quite a few of those yep. uh, T-shirts and sweatshirts and stuff like that. And now with the uh, T-shirt jerseys, it's uh, they're on a roll right now. Good for them. And you know what, Dave? Again, oh, my God, we're going to praise them again. That behind-the-scenes thing they did, what's it called? Behind the R? That, mm-hmm. that like, that kind of kicked everyone else's ass into gear. Like, you got, right. you got I think Edmonton puts one out now, BC. Like, we're get, we, we've always had pretty good content with, with the Ticats. But they're doing some some even like I don't know if you have you seen the uh, the on the reel segments with Courtney Steven and a player he did one with Dane yeah. um, yep, he, just, he just did one with Alden Darby which was phenomenal I learned so yep. much in the 15 minutes I watched that video like and I, I I wrote this on Twitter and I'll say it on here if some team doesn't make Alden Darby a coach when his playing days are over they're dumb this guy I, like the things I learned watching that video were excellent so the Red Blacks though with that with that behind the scenes documentary like. You know, kind of, kind of capitalizing that F1, whatever it's called, yeah. Need yeah. for Speed or whatever the hell it's called. 
Netflix show kind of trying to capitalize on that. The Red Blacks have kind of like that, that, like everything they've done since they brought Berkey in, like hiring him and then getting all these players and then behind the scenes stuff and the merchandise stuff. They're kind of lapping the field here when it comes to content and, and what fans want. So every other team needs to kind of step up their game. And you can see it elsewhere. Like the Elks are obviously doing really great with Victor Kui as the CEO and president. Like he's doing some great things out there, but man, oh man, the Red Blacks are kind of killing it this off season and it pains me to say that. Yeah. They're leading the way in yeah. uh, many categories. Um, but the only problem is with those shows is that people aren't seeing them. Like you go on YouTube and there's like 300 views or something like that. Yeah. Like, it's just like, you got to put it, I don't know where maybe like, it'd be nice if you could put it before a game on TSN, like some of those episodes, but mm-hmm. I just, I love the fact that they're trying, but they're just not reaching people. Like, I don't know what they can do to, to reach people. Cause nobody watches CFL stuff on YouTube. Like it's no. just, YouTube is a dead um, platform for the CFL. I just, yeah, it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, they aren't getting the views. And that was kind of my only criticism of that too, was that it's like, okay, you're going to release it on your website, and your YouTube page. Like how much of an audience is that going to garner? Cause you're probably, cause one thing about the F1 thing is that it hit Netflix. I'm not saying Netflix should have picked up these CFL shows, but it hit Netflix. And then a bunch of people who never watched auto racing before all of mm-hmm. a sudden, because it's Netflix and you're like searching for something to watch. And it's like, Oh, it's a documentary. I'll give this a shot. And you get behind the scenes and you get to know the, the personalities. And you're like, Oh, I care about auto racing now when I never cared about it before. And then obviously the increase in, in ratings for F1 races right. go through the roof. Yeah. You I need some, you need to put it on a platform. platform. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's you need to put it on a platform own. that, that, you know, the CF, you, you don't have to search for it. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, the, one, the average fan isn't going to be on YouTube CFL channel. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like one that doesn't cater to people you're already, you have already been converted. The whole yeah. point of this should be like, speak to those diehard fans like that on the reels thing that I mentioned, like that's for diehard fans. Like that's not mm-hmm. for, even though if you watch it as a casual fan, I think you would still pick up stuff. Cause especially the Derby episode, the way he explains everything, like you realize you don't know as much as you thought, but he explains it in a way that doesn't make you feel stupid. And I think we talked yeah. about it. Was it last week's episode? Where was I talking about? Where if, if you, if you make people feel dumb, they're going to walk. Oh, I was talking about the rule changes. Now all the millions of rule changes. It's like, if you make people feel dumb, they're going to stop consuming your product because it's like, I don't get it. I'm just, I'm going to try something else. So with these on the real things, like even if you're a casual fan and again, this, but it's still, it doesn't deal with your ultimate point of we need to get a bigger platform for this stuff, but you can watch that as a casual fan and still learn something. But I think a lot of this stuff is for diehards. You we're convert. We're the convert. Like we are going to watch this regardless. Like I'm watching friggin' backup linebacker media availabilities because I just want content you don't have to convert me to anything. You don't have to convert you. And the P, like you said, 300, 400 views on YouTube. Those are the people you've already, that have already decided they love your product. It's fine. And even, even that, it. even that Josh is like Feels a very small, small number for yeah. like, you know, there's more than 300, 400 diehard fans of the, for sure. of the of now, their team or, you know, well, maybe you gotta, people just don't know to go on YouTube and find it there. Maybe people are watching it on the website and those numbers aren't calculated count. in the YouTube. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and you also got to think that it's, and it's also not just Red Flag fans that are watching this. Like, I don't have an interest in watching the behind the scenes workings of the Red Blacks. I would watch Ticat's show for sure. Not really all that interested in the other one. So I won't, I think I only watched the first episode and I was like, oh, this is neat. But like, this is not for me as a fan. I wanted to continue. I hope it's successful. I hope to keep doing it. But like, they, they don't market it. It's, it's like. If you're not already a fan, you don't even – it's the old ECW and TNN problem. The only time you saw commercials for ECW and TNN was when you were watching ECW and TNN. There was no commercial. Now, granted, I didn't watch TNN at any time other than watching ECW. But if you wanted to know that the show was there, you would have a hell of a time finding it. It's the same with this. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what you do. Like, I know we at 3 Donation, but again, we're catering towards the hardcore fan too. Santino does our red black guy. He does a recap of the episodes and posts the video every single week. Like every time there's an episode, I guess once a month, he's got a review of it. So like there are people out there promoting it, but yeah, to get, and maybe you're right. Maybe it is not taking into account the people that watch it on the website. Maybe it's a lot larger audience than we want, but 
they have to find a way to make that a bigger platform or else you're just kind of talking to the same core group you've always been talking to and that doesn't help mm-hmm. you grow anything now does it because isn't that the whole no. point of this is the whole point like the the formula is the f1 thing and isn't the whole the whole point of that was to grow that brand isn't the whole point of doing needs to to get more people excited and mm-hmm. get them to know the inner because they, they think that like oh if you know the inner workings or you know like who the people are behind the scenes or what have you or the personalities of the players it'll make more people interested but if you're just catering to the people that already care you're not growing anything you're just kind of staying the same exactly and you know it's unfortunate but you know thumbs up to the teams for for trying there's there's sure. a lot of good good content out there it's better than nothing from, at least at yeah. least doing but, something yep because clearly the old way of doing nothing didn't work so why not at least try something and at least it gives us something to talk about yeah what was that line by uh flanders dad in the simpsons we tried nothing and <laughs> we, we, <laughs> nothing oh yeah it was it. we tried <laughs> nothing it didn't oh, what the hell was it oh <laughs> i feel you know i feel like a terrible simpsons fan i know and i can't remember that line if you would ask me that 15 years ago i would have had it i would oh, have a whole scene off the top of my brain but yeah nowadays uh so Maybe someone uh, that's listening to the show right now can uh, shoot us off a tweet or something and let us know sure, what Flanders I'm sure, there's, I'm sure there's a gif of it out there somewhere. And there must be. The the episode. Yeah. We tried nothing and nothing's worked or something along those lines. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> uh, okay, so moving on. Traditionally, Mike, this would be where you and I discuss the prior week's game. But you and I decided to start something new this year, and that was a live post-game show that we hosted on Twitter, on something called Twitter Space. You and I spent probably close to 40 minutes giving our what we're calling instant reactions to Saturday's 25-23 Ticats win over the Montreal Alouettes. I'm going to admit, I thought that it would be a disaster. You and I doing live and not knowing what we're doing, doing it the first time, I thought it was going to be, for lack of a better term, a shit show. And I thought it turned out all right. I've gotten a lot of good feedback. I'm sure you've gotten a lot of good feedback as well. People seem to enjoy it. So the plan going forward is to continue doing those instant reaction shows as long as you, our listeners, are interested in them. And I'll be honest, as long as Mike and I feel like we actually want to do them. There could come times, there's going to be times when maybe we miss a game and one of us won't be there or what have you. But there also might be times when it's just like, I don't know, it's a Thursday night and that Lions game ended at 1 o'clock Eastern. I don't have the I, I don't have the wherewithal to stay up until 1.30, 1.45 to talk right. football. So yeah. there, are some, there are some weeks where it won't happen and then we'll go back to doing a traditional in podcast game review so if you want our instant reactions to last week's game you can find it on twitter uh, i'm sure the spaces are somewhere you can also find it i was able to edit it down and post it on our podcast feed so if you're subscribed to this show obviously you've subscribed to that one uh apologies i think i wrote in a tweet i'll apologize again the audio quality it was our first time so things didn't go off as it, they, it wasn't wasn't perfection like we have perfected sort of the formula for the show but the main show here so we're going to try to we're going to be trying things out we're going to try some new things uh, but having said all that, Mike, since we already kind of did almost a half an hour on the game, is there anything else you'd like to talk about from Saturday night, or are you kind of all taped out? Because I don't know if I have anything else to add. No, I think we pretty much covered it uh, on the after game instant reaction show. So, yeah, I don't think we have to, you know, if people listen to that show, then they probably don't want to listen to us talk about the same thing again. So I think we could probably move on unless you have something that uh, you want to throw out there. I've got absolutely nothing, so we will move on. And there's but, a lot you know, of- we, we've tried nothing, and we're all out of ideas. Oh, that's what it is. There you go. <laughs> there we go. There you go. Try nothing, we're all out of ideas. Perfect, perfect. Word. Okay, so moving on. There's a lot of Ticats news to cover for this week, so let's just get right into it. The Ticats made a series of roster moves since their victory over the Alouettes on Saturday. They released four players, American defensive back Travion Beck, American defensive lineman Justice Reed, American linebacker Ezekiel Barnett, and global defensive lineman David Izinian. The Ticats also placed Canadian receivers Lamar Durant and Tyler Tronowski and Canadian offensive lineman Coulter Woodmansey on the six-game injured list, and they activated Canadian offensive lineman Chris Van Zyl and signed third-round pick from the 2021 CFL Draft defensive uh, defensive lineman Mohamed Diallo. Damn it, I almost made it all the way through. That's screwing anything up. Muffed it up at the end there. So, Mike... What did you make of these moves and what was your reaction when you heard of all of this stuff over the last few days? Is there anything that stood out to you, made you happy, made you sad? What, what are your thoughts? Well, the cuts that they made, um, nothing, you know, mind boggling, nothing that really uh, jumped out at me. Um, but the injuries uh, were a bit intriguing. You know, Lamar Durant on the sixth game and Turnowski also on the sixth game. It makes you wonder about uh, what the the receiving group is going to look like going into the season, right? Because those guys might have been starters 
uh, Tronowski is that fifth position, and then uh, Durant is the second Canadian, right? So um, that was the most interesting to me, the injuries. So I'll give you a little insight in the injuries because I was at Ticats practice on Tuesday and Wednesday and got to look at these guys. Durant has what I'm thinking is some sort of wrist or hand injury. He was wearing like kind of a soft brace, like one of those ones that like with the Velcro, not like a full cast, but you know the ones I'm talking about. You kind of see mm-hmm. if like my dad had carpal tunnel surgery when I was younger and it's kind of a brace that looks like that. So if anyone out there knows of someone who's had carpal tunnel surgery, it's kind of one of those braces. Uh, Turnowski was not in pads. He had some like, like you know, that KT tape. That you see every now and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? Kyle O'Reilly had it on his shoulder last night yeah. on Dynamo. So Tronowski had that on kind of his right shoulder. And Wood Manzi had, I think it was some sort of like knee sleeve on his left knee, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know how serious these injuries are because these are like, these might as well be American nuclear codes with how <laughs> yeah. guarded these with secrecy this is. So I don't. I don't know how devastating any of these are. I do wonder if these couple of these might have been throw them on the sixth game because at this point doesn't really count. Gives a couple of extra guys because they cut four. And like you said, none of them are really surprised. If Durant, Turnowski, and Woodmanzi are on the roster, they got to cut three more. So this kind of allows them a chance for three guys to stick around, whether they be yeah. American or Canadian. So that could be there could be some something like that at play here. It does change, I think, the Ticats ratio because you're right to i don't know if turnowski would have started but one of durant two of durant unger and turnowski were going to start in the receiving core that's how it had been the entire first week of camp and it only wasn't that way in the game because i think durant got hurt like a couple days before the game last week and because the ratio doesn't matter in a preseason game it's not something you have to worry about but that looked like the way that the team was going they were going with two Canadian receivers now with just david unger the third as the only veteran left you have a couple of guys, Tyler Turner and Keandre Smith. Smith, I've been particularly high on, but they're rookies, and you're not going to throw a rookie in there as a starter. So that tells me the team's going to go four Americans, at least mm-hmm. to start the season, at the receiving position. So that's kind of what those injuries told me. And like you, that was kind of the out of all the news was one was like, ah, oh, darn, that's kind of that's kind of a bummer. But you must have been happy when you saw the news that Van Zyl was back, right? Yeah, Van Zyl is such a huge part of this offensive line that. Uh... We want him healthy. We want him healthy all season long and uh, at his best. So, yeah, to get him back on the field in the lineup is, is a great thing. And he looked great in the, the two days I was down at McMaster. Like, there was, one, I don't, there was one 12-on-12 drill where he absolutely stonewalled the guy coming. Like, I, he stood him up in a way that I was – like, it made me take notice. And I was like, Jesus, okay, Chris Van Zyl's Chris Van Zyl. No worries there. Yeah, he still has so, got his strength, so that's yeah, good. He's, he's still, a, he's still a, a hog a in beast. there, so. Yeah, no worries, no worries about Van Zyl. So that's all the Ticats news there, but we have one more thing to talk about. It's a bit of a sad story because it looks like the 2019 Special Teams Player of the Year, Frankie William, has decided to hang up his cleats. Former Ticats receiver Chris Williams sent out a tweet to Frankie Williams that said, congratulations on a great career. So we have not gotten any confirmation yet, but I think given Williams, Frankie Williams, because there's two Williams here, so it's kind of confusing. Given Frankie Williams' troubles with injuries last year, mainly from what I understand, he dealt with a serious concussion. This news doesn't really surprise me all that much. He hadn't signed with anyone in free agency. He's been out there since February. No one's picked him up. So mm-hmm. him hanging out the cleats doesn't really shock me. So wish him well, obviously, from, from you and I wishing him well in whatever he does post-football. So, Mike, now that Frankie Williams' short career, because he's really only here a year and a half, maybe I can't remember if he was on the 2018 team. He might have been, but he became a star in 2019. Was the special teams player of the year. Was one of the reasons the Tie Cats were as good as they were. How will you remember Frankie Williams as a Tie Cat? As, as a dual threat kind of player. You know what I mean? Like, I don't remember the last time we've seen. Now, we've seen some receivers, obviously, that were great return men. But I don't remember seeing a, a DB that was really good DB on the defensive side of the ball. And then um, one of the best returners in the game so i'm gonna think of him as a very very exciting player to watch and it's too bad that he's uh retiring so soon but i guess the writing was on the wall because when you have such a talented player like that in free agency and no one picks him up um yeah something's going on yeah absolutely I'm, and i'm with you too it's it's the versatility that he brought as a return man as a defensive back and as before he was an all-star return man, he was a great coverage guy on special teams as well. So 
I just remember there were times when he would not – it didn't happen often, but I, I remember one in particular. I don't remember when it – it must have been 2019, but I don't remember who it was against. But he batted down a pass on second down to end the drive and then ran back to go field the punt. And you don't see that nowadays. Like, that's not something that – I mean, just because of player safety, players don't play mm-hmm. – offense start a starter on offense and then are the lead return man on special teams so his versatility and that two-way player not in the traditional sense where he plays off in the defense but defense and special teams it's something that we hadn't seen i can't remember the last time we saw it and i don't know when we'll see it again it was it was a pretty special time even if it was only for a short stint yeah absolutely to be an all-star caliber defensive back and then an all-star caliber returner it's uh i don't think yeah we won't see that anytime soon all right, moving on to some CFL news. We talked about the moves the Ticats made, but they obviously weren't the only team that needed to trim their roster to comply with the CFL's roster rules. Every team had until midnight following their first preseason game to get their rosters down to 75 players plus non-counters. This was just the first round of cuts, so there weren't a ton of shocking moves, but there were a few. The Argos released veteran quarterback Antonio Pipkin, a.k.a. Tony Pumpkin, mm-hmm. who was already signed with the BC Lions. They released American receiver Chandler Worthy, who I personally thought was a pretty decent player and would have thought he had a chance to make the team. Maybe the Brandon Banks factor there, bringing him in, kind of took Worthy's spot away. And American defensive back Tristan Decoud, whose claim to fame was twofold. One was getting his soul stolen by David Unger III on Labor Day. And the other was <laughs> jawjacking a friend of ours, friend of the show, Claudio, and threatening, I think he was threatening to jump into the stands and fight him or something. Like, it was it was absolutely ridiculous. But it was it happened, well, I think it was last year. I think the CFL got involved. I think Decoud was fined. I, I know there's a lot of Argos fans out there that are, like, really like the guy, but I don't know. Ever since he, you know, got planted into the ground like a corpse by Unger on Labor Day, it never really was the same for that guy. Uh, Calgary released, this is probably the biggest one, Calgary released American receiver Jordan Williams-Lambert, and Winnipeg released American receiver Jalen Saunders for not on-the-field stuff. He's allegedly sexually assaulted a woman. I believe he's been charged. He allegedly did it over the Victoria Day weekend. I don't want to get too much into it because it's obviously being dealt with by the courts, but the Bombers released him. They found the allegation credible. So Saunders' career is obviously over, and rightfully so, if he's found guilty of doing what he's alleged to have done. But I have seen some chatter amongst especially Ticats fans that maybe the tabby should bring in Williams-Lambert. Personally, I don't think so. I think I've seen enough out of the American rookie receivers that the team has brought in for training camp that I don't think they need to add a veteran receiver. But what say you? Do you think the Ticats should kind of kick the tires on the 2018 West Division Rookie of the Year? I, I, don't, I don't think so. I'm with you on that. I think that we have enough young talent and some experienced talent as well to uh, you know guide this team uh this season so I, I don't see it necessary not that he you know lambert's a great player a very good player but uh i don't necessarily think we need him on the tie cats the i i think the only way that i would go with this and even then i'm i'm like 75 25 against would be if so another thing that happened this week at practice Braille addison left on tuesday and i didn't see him on the rest and it was like kind of early on tuesday and I didn't see him the rest of the day Tuesday, didn't see him at all on Wednesday. So if that is a long-term injury, which is, A, really unfortunate because he had looked excellent. Both in the preseason game, he had a couple of catches from Dane that he looked like the old Baron Asin catching him, picked up a couple of yards after the catch, looked as good as he's ever looked. And I thought he'd had an excellent camp up to that point. If he's a long, if this is another long-term injury for him, maybe you bring in a veteran like Williams Lambert yeah. to replace him. Maybe, mm-hmm. but even then, I still think, and again, I know people say, like, the more rookies you start, you add, those, like, if you start six rookies, give yourself six losses. For every rookie you have in your roster, it equals one loss. I don't necessarily buy that. I think that's that's one of those old football adages that I just, I don't think it holds up to scrutiny if we actually looked at it. But I think they have enough good young talent. There's, in my head, and we'll, we'll talk about this when we, when we preview the game in a minute, Anthony Johnson... You got uh, who else is there? Andrew Boston. You have Emmanuel Butler, and you have Tony Brown. Those four American receivers. Easily, two of those guys could start if if Addison's hurt. I don't think they need to go the Williams Lambert route. If they do, okay, cool. I from what I've seen with the guys at camp, 
I would actually be really surprised if, if he signed with the Ticats. Yeah, that could be, you know, uh, obviously Braylon Addison is a great player, but just his uh, experience with the receivers, right? I mean, we don't have a lot of, I mean, we have, what do we have? Uh, Dunbar, Tim White, Poppy White, Unger. There's not a lot of experience except for nope. Braylon Addison. So yep. I just hope that he's not going to be, you know, there's so much potential with him. He could be, you know, he could be the best receiver in the league. I honestly believe that. But <clears throat> I just hope that the injuries aren't a reoccurring thing for him because we need him on the field. Yeah, I guess we'll have to see. We'll know more. At least I will if if I get the chance to go to practices next week before the season starts. We'll have a better idea of if if he's not out there for the first couple of days. I think it's on. I think he's obviously going to be one gamed or six gamed. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll find that. I mean, and the team has cuts later this week. I think it's the day after their game on Friday that they have to they have to cut their so roster down. So it'll be down. the day after that. It'll be the yeah. day. After. <laughs> so if he, yeah. So yeah, yeah. And, you notice that too, eh? Where they're due, they're due by midnight, and you get to the next day at like 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. Especially so fr- the Tiger Cats. Yeah, so frustrating. Yeah. yeah. So frustrating. Anyway, we'll know. So I guess they're due midnight by Saturday. So we'll know sometime Sunday, I'm guessing, who who the team is cut. And then you'll know because they'll, what they'll do is they'll put guys on the injured list to keep guys around. You know, the roster shenanigans that we all see mm-hmm. every year from teams. Every team does it. It's it's milk in the system, but whatever. It's it's the way it is. We'll know then. If, if you put a guy in a one game, he's not playing week one. If Addison's on there, we'll know he's not there. Uh, okay, moving on. Time for another edition. Third week, third show in a row, Mike, that we're doing the Podski mailbag. So you got the questions, buddy. Take it away. All righty. We just jumped in. Okay. So, okay. First one comes from Tiger Sammy. Our buddy Tiger Sammy. Jeez, he's the unofficial uh, third member of the show at this point. I know, right? I know, I know. He's a good man. Turn on your theoretical GM mode. What is one trade you would offer to a team that has a realistic chance of being accepted? Are there any players you would target trying to acquire? Hmm. This is going to be a really lame answer, but I don't. Look, you make a trade to improve. You make you make the trade to improve the team, right? Where do yep. they need improvement? Maybe left tackle. We're not sure, but maybe. And kicker, kicker and punter. Well, no team's going to trade you a starting caliber left tackle right now. It's not like you're going to go to Winnipeg and go like, oh, we'll give you Malik Irons and a couple of first round picks for Stanley Bryant. They're going to go hit the hit the bricks. We're not trading yeah, Stanley. Dang Bryant. it, Josh. <laughs> That's exactly what I had. So here's what I had. Are you I serious? Had. Are you serious? Yeah, I, I had. Okay, so I don't. You know. I'm with you. I don't think this is very realistic. And I know that Tiger Sammy wanted, you know, a realistic kind of trade. But um, I said trade Dunbar, a first and second round pick for Stanley Bryant. And now, listen, listen, I know that's a little bit outrageous or maybe a lot outrageous. But I just think that if you could get Stanley Bryant at left tackle, you bring him in. And, you know, obviously giving up a first and second round isn't ideal. But it takes a long time to, you know, develop those guys. And I think if you could get an all-star caliber left tackle like that, you'd do it. And there's nothing against Dunbar. But I was just thinking, you know, with Jalen Saunders and his situation, maybe they're looking for another receiver. So that's my crazy wild dream trade right there. Okay, I'm going to – okay, I think it's hilarious that I just – I pulled Stanley Bryant out of my ass. And that was the guy – because they uh, – I don't know. That's just funny. To Best me. left tackle in the league, basically, so. Uh, yeah, with, without question. Like, the other yeah. the other like the other like player I could have said was Derek Dennis, who I is, I don't think is anywhere near as good as Stanley Bryant, but another kind of guy. Cal- I mean, Paul. yeah. Bryant hasn't bounced around. He went from Calgary to Winnipeg. He's been in Winnipeg for, like, five or six years. But, you know, Dennis was in Calgary. Then he went to Saskatchewan. They went back to Calgary. Then he – been a year in purgatory in Edmonton because he didn't want to be there. Now he's back in Calgary. Like he's not someone. He's someone that probably could have been had. But that's my thing. It's like there's no team out there that wants to. That's going to trade you a starting left tackle. No team has two quality place kickers. Like it's again, if they if the Ticats wanted to upgrade kicker, that's what free agency is for. Why didn't they go pay money for Sergio Castile? Maybe they couldn't because of the cap. Whatever the reason is, like that's the thing at this time of year. There's because if you look at everything else, like I don't. Like I said, we talked about Jordan Williams Lambert coming in. Roll with the rookies. That's why you brought him in here. You know what I mean? And I just don't think that there's because that's the only reason you make a trade. You only make a trade to get to make your team better. And really, it's left tackle that's a question mark, and it's kicker that's a question. I and mean, even kicker's not really a question mark. Punter 
is more of a question mark now after what we saw in the game on on Saturday. But we're going to talk about the punter situation in a second. But I'm going to get myself in trouble with some of my colleagues at three down. You mentioned the draft picks. I don't think draft picks matter that much. I, how many guys do we? How many times have we seen the Tie Cats whiff on a first overall pick? I mean, they whiffed on the first overall pick in 2018. Mark Chapman never came in, traded up to get him. Eh, didn't hurt him any. The Alouettes mm-hmm. traded all those first. What they traded like two or three first round picks for Johnny Manziel. Did that really hurt him all that much? I mean, they were a playoff team last year, so no. To me, I think I want the CFL draft to be more. I am fully in in favor of there being a draft and Canadian players playing in league and all that sorts of good stuff. Are they? It, it's not like you're trading the first overall pick on the draft and you're missing out on a Trevor Lawrence or an Andrew Luck. You're missing out on yeah. like who was who was the first overall pick this year? Tyrell Richards, a linebacker mm-hmm. from Syracuse. Could be a good player. Could be. Could be. Could be an excellent player. Could be. Could be a star in this league, but at the same time, eh, to solidify a position that actually can make like let's let's go with your hypothetical trade. If they got Stanley Bryant, the Tiger Cats overtake the Bombers as the favorites to win the Grey Cup because now you you have a question at kicker, you have a question at punter, and then the rest of the team you're like this is this team is an all star team like this mm-hmm. is a this is a 14 to 16 win team without question. So. To give up a first and second round pick to win a championship, eh, I do that. I do that all the time. And the NFL draft means more. And you're seeing guys trade draft like the LA Rams haven't drafted a player in the first round since 2016, and I don't think they'll draft another one again until like 2026. All because they're like we're trading draft picks to bring in established players. And what happened? They won the Super Bowl. So yep. it's all yeah, about winning exactly. a championship. If you got to use draft picks to do it, go ahead and do it. it doesn't bother me any. Now the next one comes from uh, our buddy Troy Durrell. Um would you guys have any interest in John Ryan? Yes. Given he'd be willing to come play in Ontario. Yes. I would that's a yes from you. Yeah. Did you watch the punting? Oh, I mean, I guess you didn't. Did you <laughs> well, see the stats of the punting? Yeah, it was it was horrific. Yeah, Awful. I agree. Awful. I I think there were six yeah. punts in total, four of which featured penalties. One was just the drizzling shits. Tig leader's punt went like 35 yards, 33 yards, something like that. Like just awful. There were four four. Either illegal out of bounds, illegal kick out of bounds, or no yards flags because of punts. Maybe it was three. It was three or four. I can't remember. Anyway, the punting was crap. I went to practice week. Some of them were okay. Didn't look much better. I have zero faith in the punters on this thing. If John Ryan wants to come live in Hamilton for a year and punt for the Ticats, I don't care about all the jokes about he kicks it too far or he's just kicking rouges. I don't. You know what? I'd rather have a million rouges from punting from the 35 yard line, mm-hmm. then them punting from the 30 and then the opposing team getting the ball at the 35. So yes, sign me up for John Ryan, sign me up for almost any, I'll take you as punter right now, to be quite honest with you. Like the punting well, I saw in that preseason game, they could have picked a kid from the audience and gotten better than they, than can, I wear, can I wear my steel toe, steel toe boots on yes. the field when I'm punting? Do, all right, then do, they, do, do all right, they hire me. Do they hire me? Like, Put steel toes in your cleats and they check. <laughs> I don't know. It's not, it's not like in wrestling where they're like, you know, remember the old days of wrestling when they like, yeah. they pat you down for foreign mm-hmm. objects. Probably mm-hmm. didn't do that on your feet. So yeah, put some steel toes in your nose. Yeah, you know what? I was gonna, I was gonna lean the other way on this, but now that you, you know, I, you convinced me. You know, John Ryan is the best kicker or the best punter in the in the CFL. Even at his advanced age, he can still boom those punts um, sky high for a very long distance. So. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, you know, if he if he gets some directional punting's not as good, but uh, you know, the switch and field position would be such a benefit for this team. If you had seen what I saw last Saturday, and we'll get into us being able to actually see both of us see what we're going to see on Friday. If you just seen what I saw, you would have jumped. You would. It, it, he could have mentioned any punter there, and your your answer would have been yes. It was that bad. It was that right. bad. So now we established that the punting is terrible. Let's let's moved on to another question from at Jake Peck. Um, he just wants to know who's the odd man out in the entire secondary. Oh, I th- this is going to be a non-answer answer again. I don't think there is one because Cario Brooks hasn't practiced all week. He's not playing on, in Friday's game. I could see a scenario where they won or six game him and punt this question down the road. Yeah, I do just know stash him away kind of deal. Exactly. I do know one thing. After what I've seen in camp and what I saw in the preseason game, Alden Darby has to be a starter for this team. He has been nothing short of phenomenal every single time I've seen him do anything. And he started camp as a backup 
I get that they're, you know, Brooks is an incumbent and you brought everybody back and you brought in Richard Leonard and Cam Kelly was so good. You have got to find a way to keep Alden Darby on that defense. He is too good to be your like backup DB slash designated import. I'm not even sure if they still call him designated, but you know, they, I think there's three mm-hmm. DIs every. So whoever is not the starter in the secondary when Brooks is healthy, if, if he's actually injured long-term, I don't know if this is weak thing, but anyway, we'll, we'll, We'll stay until he's healthy. One of those guys is just going to be one of the DIs. Like, you're not going to healthy scratch them. You're not going to – because Darby plays special teams. So he has no problem going down there and on punt coverage and kick coverage and knocking a dude's head off. So he'll do whatever it takes to play. So you're you're one of those guys – every one – all six of those guys, I guess seven of those guys, if you count Cam Kelly, they're all making the team. It's just who's going to be the starter. Right, Brooks's injury might be a blessing in disguise for the team. It might be the thing that ends up getting him removed from the starting lineup, though, because if he's let's say he's up six weeks and Darby gets that spot and just makes it his own. And let's say the team's I don't know, four and two after six games, you pull in the plug on that at that time. Probably not. So while this might be a blessing for the team, it could be a hindrance to Brooks. Yeah, I, I think it would be wise to keep all these guys because um, obviously, you know, we already have an injury with Brooks and there's going to be more injuries in the secondary. So, um, you know, the depth in the secondary will be second to none in the CFL. So if you can find a way to keep, you know, all these secondary guys that you brought in, uh, and I think they will find a way. Um, I don't think there any of these guys are going to get cut. Nope. Uh, I think that would be wise. Was it last week we had the question about surprise cuts? Mm-hmm. I would be truly surprised if one of these DBs got released. Yeah, because, you know, maybe, and I think I mentioned this last week, maybe I thought Richard Leonard would be the guy that, you know, was... But you said he looks fantastic, and uh, you know he's still at uh, that level that he was at a couple years ago. So, yeah, I just don't see anyone, any of those big names getting released. So is that it for questions then? That's it for questions. But I will say that we've been getting questions from our buddy Jim Martin, and uh, we have a plan for his questions, don't we, Josh? Can you want to let do, the people because, know? Because Jim, love you, buddy. The questions are so good, but they are going to take us 20 minutes each to answer. They are so in-depth. He gave us one about entrance themes. He's always he, – he, he's a man after my own heart because he's always putting pop culture references into these things. The one he had today was about Star Wars, which was clearly geared towards me because, Mike, how many – out of the – I think there's 11 total Star Wars films. How many have you seen? Mm-hmm. Well, I saw the, the, the first three. I think I, I saw two of the ones that were in the early 2000s. Okay, so two of the and three, I, three prequels. Yeah, and then I saw the I think the first one that came out, you know, of the newer, you yeah. know, Disney generation yeah. stuff, but but so a, a total of probably about 6. So maybe a little more than half. I've obviously seen them all. I own all of them. They're sitting on my DVD shelf, Blu-ray shelf now as it is, and I love Star Wars. So that was the the, the Rogue Squadron and the and the Tig Leader thing. That was clearly for me. But Jim, here's our plan, buddy. Keep sending us the questions. Keep make them as weird and as in-depth as you possibly can. We're going to save them, and in the off-season, when we're low on content and so we don't go like a month and a half without an episode, we might do an all-questions show, and that's when we'll dig into these. Because I think he's had one – wasn't, wasn't Jim the one that sent us the question about each team being an AEW faction? And mm-hmm. we probably spent yes. like 15 minutes on that one question. Yeah. So. <laughs> During the season, I don't know if Jim's questions are like they're awesome and I love them. And I was like, when I saw the one about the entrance team, that's something I talked about on Twitter about, you know, you bring out the NWO theme for for the Thai Cats on like Labor Day or the Blackout Playoff game, I think it was. And then you got the You Suck, the Kurt Angle thing, which the Riders are using apparently on the, really? they did the, the you, yeah, in the preseason game. Apparently, when the Bombers took the field, they nice. played Kurt Angle's theme music. I don't know how many fans in attendance know to do the you suck thing, but I mean, as I've we've discussed before, the the combination of CFL fandom and wrestling fandom is pretty tight. So I think a lot of people would know how to do that. So Jim, like I said, keep sending them in. Michael, Mike, you ha- I'm I'm entrusting you to keep a document with all these questions, and then one day, sometime in February or March, when we're like we haven't done anything in three weeks, okay, let's do the Jim Martin special show. We'll get into all his weird, awesome questions. I think that that's only fair. This way, Jim doesn't feel like we're ignoring him, but just so he knows, his questions are probably a little too in-depth for us to do and make this show not four hours long. 
Yeah, I mean, the, you know, every week it seems that we go over, you know, we just keep we talking and talking. So, and we never do. But we love you, Jim, and uh, we are not ignoring you. We just didn't want you to think that we were. So we will stash those away and maybe have a special Jim Martin episode. Yeah, we'll just maybe one day we'll just do an all we'll hit we'll hit the off season. We'll just do an all mailbag episode when there's yep. nothing to do, and we'll take all the weird que- the weirdest questions you got. We'll make it kind of like a Reddit AMA, like a like mm-hmm. they don't have to be football related. Ask us. Mm-hmm. We like a bunch of different stuff. Mike likes punk music. I like hip hop music. I watch a lot of movies. We obviously like like wrestling. Like we can make make it get, give us as weird a question as you want. We'll see. Maybe we'll just do that. We'll do Mike and Josh answer everything, and you can yep. just anything. Ask me anything. We'll we'll answer whatever it is that like we'll answer them all, and we'll make it the weirdest episode we've ever done. That sounds good to me. All right, moving on. The Ticats played their final preseason game of 2022 on Friday night in Guelph, of all places, against the Toronto Argonauts. And if this episode wasn't weird enough, where we spent a good 10 minutes praising the Red Blacks, Mike, we are about to praise the Toronto Argonauts because earlier on Thursday evening. They announced that they will be live streaming Friday's game. So we're actually going to be able to watch this. It would have made for a very interesting, I think you said this to me before the show, very interesting post-game show with us just hearing the game. But now we are going to get to watch the game. So that is great news. We'll be able to watch this. But one thing we have to be able to figure out is how we how we're going to sync up the Ticats audio network feed because mm-hmm. I do not want to listen to the Argos broadcast of this. You know it's going to be all Brandon Banks this, Jagarrett Davis that. No, thank you. No, I don't want to do it. So I don't know if I'll have to pause the game and sync it up with the Ticats feed or if it'll just sync up perfectly. I'm not sure. But at least we get to watch the game. That's the important part, right? Yeah, the the visual aspect of it is is huge because although I did really enjoy listening to the game last week in the backyard, you know, nice and peaceful, um, I want to see this team, especially with the lineup that they're putting together um, for this game. Basically, the starters are going to be starting this game. So I'm very interested to watch the first quarter, um, especially. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. So the Ticats released their depth chart for this game on Thursday, and it features a lineup that will mostly be what I think we'll see when the regular season begins in a little over a week. To my surprise, most of the presumed starters are playing. Dane, Simone, you go down the list. The exceptions being on offense, Braylon Addison, who suffered an injury in Tuesday's practice, like I mentioned, and who I didn't see return that day or on Wednesday. On defense, Cario Brooks is out, as are defensive linemen Mason Bennett and Micah Johnson, all of whom I never saw participate in drills during training camp all week. But, you know, deep breath, Ticat fans. Micah Johnson, what? all these guys were there. They were just weren't in pads or participating in drills. Micah Johnson didn't look hurt in any way. I think this might have just been a case of we saw what we need to see out of him. He doesn't need to play the second preseason game. So I don't think we have any worries there. So aside from concerns over the injured players – what will you be paying particular attention to when you watch this game on Friday night? I'm going to be watching the left tackle, uh, Vaughn Call. Uh, keep an eye on him. Of course, I, I am. Might, yeah. I might even ask this when I know well, you. You don't even have to ask, Josh. No. Um, I I'm going to keep like, my Mike, eye on him. Mike, what part of the offensive line are you looking at in this game? That's just, that's just that's, I'm just going to every time we do preseason previews, that's all I'm going to ask you. Yeah, you might as well because that, that's what I'm looking for. But other than that, um, I got. Carney on the defensive line, uh, he impressed me with his short time that he was in the lineup last year. I want to see if he can duplicate um, some of that. And also, I'm going to be watching Dane very closely because, yes, he got some time last week, but I'm assuming he's going to be getting some more time in this game. Uh, let's see if he's in uh, you know, midseason form, see if he's, he's in a good flow right now. All right, those aren't bad ideas. I'm going to be looking at American receivers, especially the rookies, I mentioned Anthony Johnson, Emmanuel Butler, Andrew Boston, Tony Brown. These are guys that, because of the injuries to the Canadians that we talked about earlier, I think there's a good chance this team is going to go for Americans at receiver, at least at the start of the season. And with only three of those positions kind of locked down for me with Tim White, who is back in the lineup, so I'll be interested to see Tim White. And mm-hmm. he's looked he looked excellent again this week at, at practice. Stephen Dunbar and when he's healthy, Braylon Addison. That leaves one receiver. And we got I think David Unger is going to be the starting Canadian receiver. He's listed in the starting receiving core this one. I think that's going to stay the same for throughout the season. There's one receiving spot left open. So it's going to be interesting to see which one of these American guys, at least maybe temporarily, and possibly if Addison's out long-term, two of these guys getting a chance to start week one. Mm-hmm. My out of the guy, I know Tony Brown is starting this one, but for my money, it's been Johnson and Butler. 
Butler looked particularly good this week, was running a lot with the number one offense. So I think they're, they're going to look give him a really good look in this game. Boston made an incredible catch in 12-on-12s, like over the almost Tony Champion-like, and I don't need to say anything else. Um, but, I'm, yeah, that's where I'm probably going to spend most of my – my time is, is watching those receivers and seeing if any of them, either through stats or through their play, because it's not always about the stats, right? Like you can't just say, oh, he had six catches. This guy had two catches. Well, what if he only got thrown three balls? And what if this guy got thrown 10? Mm-hmm. Like there was a guy for the Alouettes. I think his name was Hogan last week who had like 11 catches for a hundred and something yards. If you're feeding a guy that much, okay, he's going to put, obviously put up big numbers, but that's kind of what I'm going to be paying attention to is those rookie receivers. Because the rest of the roster is a lot like I'm not I'm not really looking at running backs. I guess I'll pay attention. And again, it's harder because it's it's easier to do this when you're in person. A lot harder to do when you're watching the television broadcast. I guess I'll look at the secondary because they were underwhelming last week. But I think my main focus will be which of these American receivers, one of which at least maybe two are going to start week one, which one kind of separates from the pack. And then we can kind of get an idea of just how this roster is going to look when they uh, head to Saskatchewan and week one take on the Riders. Yeah, another guy that I'll throw in there is uh, Jake Burt. You know the uh, oh, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you brought him up. I want to see. I'm curious to see if they, you know, incorporate him in the offense. You know, giving him the ball in in some manner. I'm curious to see how well he, you know, adjusts to the the Canadian game. He, I, he's been down south for his whole career. I'm interested to see, you know, how big he is, how how he throws blocks. So. Obviously, he has a, a high expectations being such a high draft pick, so I want to see what he has. So speaking of Burt, he got quite a bit of time with the second-team offense this week in the slot. Interesting. So, and he caught one and turned up. I, I think I said this before. He's faster than I thought. He took a pass, like, in the flat and turned it upfield and ran, like, 30 yards before anyone even got near him. Like, he's a fast dude. So... Hmm. I'm I'm also curious if we'll see a little bit more of him with that second team offense, if he'll maybe get some work in the slot at some point in the game. Because I think he's going to be a mismatch in the red zone, especially when you're inside yep. like the five-yard line on, a, on maybe a play action. Like, could you imagine you have Don Jackson back there? You fake the handoff to Don Jackson, and then you got Burt and just kind of throw a fade up to him and right. just let him I mean, use especially with the size of four frame. Yeah. Yeah, against like a 5'10 DB. I mean – that's that's what Eric Rodgers does so well in Calgary, right? He's just yep. such a uh, end zone threat that uh, because he's so tall and lanky that he can just go up and grab the ball. So hopefully, Jake Bird, you know, obviously he's not going to be an Eric Rodgers type player, but he could be, you know, a big time red zone threat. Well, and I know people are like, oh, he's just going to fill in Nico's spot. You don't take a guy first overall without a plan to use him whatever position he plays. And I know tight end's not a typical CFL position, but you don't you don't draft a guy number one overall at a position that can score points, catch balls, all that other sort of stuff, without some plan to use him. And as good as Kalinich was as the team's sort of fullback tight end hybrid, Burt's like a legitimate tight end. Like, yeah, he's listed mm-hmm. as a fullback on the roster, but he's like a legitimate tight end. I don't know if that means he's going to line up like – you know, hand in the dirt on the line of scrimmage a lot. But I think there's got to be some sort of offensive game plan, even if it's a small package here and there, for them to use him to catch the ball. Because otherwise, now you're, you've spent, because he missed all of last year, it's not a three-year rookie deal, so you missed all of last year. They don't try to utilize him this year. you got one more year left of him, and then who knows if he sticks. So I think maybe work him in the slot might work, I'm, but I'm mostly curious to see what he could do in the red zone because, like you said, an Eric Rodgers type. I think he's like 6'4", 230, 6'3", 230. I don't know if there's a DB in the league that's that big. So with that wingspan and, and that height and that, that bulk, yeah. throwing, get, getting him, Let's open, use getting him. him, Let's getting use him. him one-on-one in the red zone, it seems like a no-brainer to me. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, obviously, if we can – us two buffoons can uh, you know come up with that, <laughs> then uh, obviously the Ticats can as well. I would certainly hope so. If you and I can figure this out, I think the yeah. guys that get paid to do this for a living should have figured it out as well. Uh, uh, okay, that's that's it for this week. We, You and I will be back on Friday night uh, with our instant reaction post-game show on Twitter. I'm thinking probably about five to ten minutes after the game ends because 
with neither of us going to the game. It's like last time was only so late because I had to get myself back from Tim Hortons field. And we, you know, planned for 11 o'clock. I think we ended up going on around, you know, 1030, 1035 ish. Yeah. Uh, Cause I got home early. So yeah, I'm, I'm thinking maybe 10 to 15, 15 minutes talk, probably close to five uh, after the game ends. And you and I will discuss Hamilton's preseason finale and maybe uh, we'll do a little roster projecting uh, roster projecting. Pardon me. Ahead of final cuts that should come down sometime this weekend. It's supposed to be Saturday. We will probably not hear about it until Monday morning. So yeah, what, what do you think? Maybe that's uh, that that could be a little fun little exercise. We'll talk about the game and then maybe try to figure out. Maybe we'll try to peg our starting lineup based on what we know at that time. How does that sound? Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And also, don't forget about next week's show. Well, we will be our annual prediction show where you can uh, come and have a good chuckle at our crazy predictions that's right so we did read off our predictions from last year on the post game show last week boy did we get a lot of stuff wrong that was uh, this year's gonna be different josh this year's gonna be different we're gonna nail a lot of stuff i can feel it i'm sure we will not but (laughs) it's it's good to be confident because uh hey i mean we we did think we were gonna be right last year and we turned out to be terribly terribly wrong but we're going to do it again this year regardless and just hope that the results will be better than a season ago. So it's, it's always fun to be had around these parts. So that was Pods Kiwi for this week. I'm Josh Smith. Now, Mike Graham, eat them raw. Eat them raw. <laughs>